Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's Across the Board with Lutt. Oh, my buddy Ken Laird loves when I say this, so let's start the podcast with it. Hi, ho, Pimblico. It's Preakness 143 this weekend in Baltimore, and this, of course, across the board. Your four times a year horse racing podcast at WEEI. And on WEEI.com, fresh off the Kentucky Derby that saw Justify win and win convincingly. We were on Audible in that race. He ran a very credible third. Go look at that second-place photo where he loses second place, Audible does, by a nose to good magic. That changed the day for me. Would have been, It was a good day. It would have been a great day. Just couldn't get up. He'll have another chance, it sounds like, in three weeks in Belmont to get it done. But that's three weeks from now. This weekend is the Preakness. Uh, there are years, quite frankly, folks, we sit down to do this podcast for the Preakness or just sit down to gamble uh, two weeks after the Derby where there are compelling reasons to go to the windows and bet two-fisted against the Derby winner. This does not feel like one of those years as we get you set for the Preakness. Whereas last year, and we did this, you could point to a good setup, a rail run, and even the inside bias there at Churchill Downs, that's what helped get always dreaming into the winner's circle in last year's Kentucky Derby. Uh, you didn't get the same thing this year. You had Justify go to the front, win, and win convincingly. Uh, he ran a huge race. This was not uh, super saver up the rail. This was not mind that bird. This was a dominant Derby performance uh, two weeks ago at Churchill Downs. Yes, it came up sloppy. But he was on the front end the entire way was justified. Blazing pace. And then he draws off. He draws off. The pace was fast like I thought it was going to be. I just expected if Justify was in the lead, he wouldn't survive it. No two-year-old foundation. Had never been a mile and a quarter, obviously. No way he gets it done. And he does it. His half-mile time of 47-4 was the third fastest half-mile time in the history of the freaking Kentucky Derby. He was never threatened. Good Magic was never getting there. Audible, great run, my pick, ran third, was never getting there. He closed, but he was still, at, he, he, Good Magic was second best, and he, he they could have run around a second time, and he was not going to get past Justify. He laid waste to that field. And so he comes back this week, and we know a couple of things heading into the Preakness. We know he's fast. We know he can get the distance. We know it can handle a wet track, and that's another storyline this weekend. It is going to be a bog, an absolute slop fest at Pimlico for this thing. Old Hilltop is going to be a monsoon for the next 24, 48, 72 hours. So fast, distance, wet track. There are no chinks in the armor for Justify. This doesn't feel like the weekend to be against the horse. You're going to mock me picking the favorite. I've already seen it on Twitter after doing Kirk and Callahan. On Thursday morning, picking the favorite, picking the favorite. What do you want to sit here and lie and tell you I don't think the horse is going to win? Sometimes you give, you take what the racing form gives you. In this case, they're giving you a standout, a standout in the Preakness in Justify. So two weeks after the Derby, doesn't feel like the weekend to be against him. Three weeks from now in the Belmont Stakes, going a mile and a half, where he's going to be running his sixth race in 16 weeks, that will be a different story. You You pick your battles when it comes to uh, this type of thing. This is not a battle that uh, I'm going to, and I hate taking favorites. He just appears too, too good. Uh, just because he's short and looks rock solid doesn't mean we can't make money. couple of numbers for you. Last 15 years, the average runner-up in the Preakness has been 12 to 1. And in fact, 7 of the last 15 years, 10 to 1 or higher. The average exacta over the last uh, 15 years, how about 100 bucks? 10 to the last 11, had a horse of at least 5 to 2 in the top 2, and it still pays out because there's a lot of money in these pools. Three of the last eight trifectas had come back over $1,000 for a buck. So 
Justify looks invincible on paper. There are still ways to make money, and that's what this podcast, hopefully in the next 40 minutes or so, will help you do. How do you make money with a 1-5 to favorite? We'll try to do that this weekend. In fact, every handicapper across the country will try to do that next uh, 24, 40 hours of Pimlico. Of all the podcasts that we do, this one has the best RI, and that's not scientific. That's just me looking back and, and guesstimating. But we had the winner last year. I get it. Mutt never picks a winner. Uh, we liked cloud computing last year to upset Always Dreaming. He was 13-1. to 1. Exaggerator the year before, we picked him to upset Nyquist. He got it done as a second choice. Three years ago, Bernie and I put you, uh, put you on Ironicus in the Dixie. Uh, and if you liked American Pharaoh in the Preakness, and he crushed, that double came back 34 bucks. Uh, and Matt Bernier specifically, we'll talk to you in a couple minutes, he's been huge on these days. He has been huge. So Dick Girardi, who we're going to talk to, he gave you the Derby winner in Justify, and Bernier is good on Preakness Day. So that's the hope. Even if we think that Justify uh, can't be beat, we're going to try to build on that this weekend. Even with a short field looming, and the field is not great this weekend at Pimlico, even with very wet weather in the forecast the next couple of days, the goal here is that if Justify wins, we still make money. That's the goal every time you go to bet a wager, you go to Mohegan Sun, you log in your ADW. The point is to make money even when a 1-5 to five shot like Justify wins the race. And so we'll try to do that in the next uh, 40 minutes or so, get you set for Preakness 143. We'll do so with a couple of guests. You heard him for Derby Day. Uh, Matt Bernier is back from the Daily Racing Forum, DRF.com. The Formulator product at DRF is the best. You should check it out if you're looking to take your handicapping to the next level. Uh, and Dick Girardi, who's picked, I think, like 20 Derby winners in a row at this point. He liked Justify. Justify rolled. He will join us as well for his thoughts on the Preakness. I, I guess what? I'm not going to break any news here. But the podcast likes Justify. The question is how to make money with Justify winning. We'll try to figure that out by going over the race itself, the other contenders, and I'll use that word loosely given how short this field is. And the other big race, in fact, the entire pick five on Saturday, will go through up until the Preakness, hopefully give you some ideas on other races to, to bet and get yourself involved in. On a Preakness day, it's going to be wet, it'll be sloppy, and feels like uh, going to be dominated by the Derby winner Justify Preakness 143. Second jewel of the Triple Crown. They are on to Baltimore and Preakness 143. Matt Bernier, Daily Racing Forum, will be part of the coverage on Saturday, DRF and DRF.com. And, of course, by now you guys know that I'm a Formulator player. Check out the Formulator PPs at Daily Racing Forum, the best PPs, to get yourself ready for the Preakness. We're coming off a derby that saw a pretty dominant winner. We'll see what the guys think about going with or against Justify this weekend, Matt. And that's... That's where we start the conversation to me is normally I like the Preakness because you can poke some holes in the, in the Derby winner, but we saw a damn good Derby run by Justify a couple weeks ago. Certainly did. I, I think you can kind of look at it and say it might have been the best Derby singular effort that we've seen in the past five, ten years, really, when you consider how fast they went early on, the position he took up, the condition of the racing surface, and he took a couple different waves. He took a took a shot from Boltoro, flicked him away, took a shot from Good Magic, and Good Magic really never even got that close to him. And he still had something left in the tank. Uh, a very deserving winner of the Kentucky Derby and a very, very deserving short price coming up here on Saturday afternoon in Baltimore. Yeah, It was everything I thought about the pace scenario going in. I thought it would be faster than some people expected. I didn't expect if a horse was going to be on the front end, especially Justify, I didn't think he'd go on with it, and he was never really challenged. Uh, you know, Audible was close to Good Magic for uh, the nose for second, but they could have gone around there again. I don't think Good Magic and even Audible, who I liked, was going by Justify. He did not look like fatigue was going to be an issue for him, even with that pace, which I think was the third fastest half-mile pace in the history of the Derby. And that's what makes this Saturday so much more difficult for anybody else trying to defeat yeah. Justify or take a shot against him, because if you think he runs something close to what he ran in the Derby, he's probably going to win. And there's a scenario, it's not impossible to think of, that he could actually take a step forward here in this race coming up on Saturday afternoon because he's probably going to have an easier go of it on the front end. And if you think good magic all along, this wasn't the plan. The plan was to get him ready for the first Saturday in May, and this was kind of an afterthought, then, boy, outside of him, it's very difficult to find a horse that you really truly believe and can sell someone on the idea of, 
all of a sudden they're going to jump up with some effort that's better than Justify. Justify so far, his four races are all better than anything anyone else in the field's ever run. And we'll go through the Preakness field here in a second to, to cap off our Derby recap here, Matt. I know you were on Team Mendelssohn. Uh, he did not run well. Are you drawing a line through that? Is there an excuse for Mendelssohn in the Derby a couple weeks ago? Yeah, I, I think it's it's insane that people are saying that the horse is a bum and he can't run. If you take a side swipe out of the gate like that, you're not going to run either. I mean, if Justify had that happen, he's not winning the Kentucky Derby. Uh, I love that O'Brien has been as candid as he has been ever since going back over to, to Europe saying it was basically like a wild rock concert out there and we just were not prepared for it. And I respect that. You know what? They learned something, and it sounds like, if all goes as planned, he's probably going to come back for a race like the Travers and then get ready for the Breeders' Cup Classic. So I have to be honest with you. I don't know where he'll show up next, whether it is the Travers or it is the Breeders' Cup. You didn't see the real Mendelssohn there, whether he would win the Derby or not or would have been close and competitive. I don't know. No one will know. I still think he's a hell of a good horse, and I'll give him another chance whenever they come back with him. And you've liked him for a while. Do you want to see them come back? At, like you said, it sounds like they're going to come back on dirt with him. Are you going to be ready to fire right away on him back on dirt on U.S. soil, or do you want to see something first? Are there things you're going to look for when he does return? Because based on the betting money he took in the Derby, no matter where he shows up, people are going to bet him, and he's going to be a shorter price than he probably should be based on that effort. Yeah, I don't know how what this overall perception is, because you, I feel like there are two camps here on this horse, where one camp, like myself, is a... You, you didn't learn anything from that. And then you've got the other camp saying he wasn't any good to begin with. He was a Dubai sort of wonder, and we've seen those horses go by the wayside. To me, I, if he comes over here, he's going to be ready to go. And I know they would call it as a prep, but O'Brien's not going to come over here just to get embarrassed again. And, and not, I don't want to say they got embarrassed in Kentucky, but clearly things didn't go as planned. I, I think they would only come here if the horse is ready to go for a big effort. Now, if you want to say he can't stand up on a wet track or any of that, I don't even know if that's true, simply because, again, that body slam out of the gate. People, I, I don't think they're taking that seriously enough. He just completely got wiped out. He had no chance to run his race. If he comes over here, I'm going to assume he's ready to go wherever that ends up being. Uh, he is not in the field this weekend for 143rd Preakness. Uh, seven are lining up to take on Justify. And as Matt mentioned, and this is you know uh, stating the obvious, he is by far the horse to beat. And unlike last year where we're always dreaming – there were some holes to, to punch in his Derby performance. Uh, given how well Justified was able to run in the Derby, and given the field he's running against, he is such a, a comical standout here, Matt. I'll start with the, the obvious question. Paint the scenario besides where... let's You said to the Mendelssohn sideswipe. Let's assume a clean break and there's no injury or anything like that. Paint me the scenario that gets Justified beat on the square Saturday in, in Baltimore. I, I, to, to, I'm being entirely honest. I, I don't know. I can't cook up one unless there is something bizarre that happens. If he does miss the break entirely or he gets wiped out, uh, I suppose maybe an overconfident ride from Mike Smith, where if he just thinks he's on a million the best and, and just throws sort of you know all caution to the wind and just goes on with it and, and cuts out a half in 45 when he doesn't need to. But I, I, from a racing standpoint, if everything goes the way it it we would hope it does on the square and there's no issues with anyone or anything. I, I can't, I can't cook up a scenario where he doesn't work out a perfect trip, whether it's on the lead or sitting just off takes over going into the far turn, like he did in the Derby then goes on and struts his stuff. I, I just, I have a very difficult time envisioning him losing this race. It's, it's one of these things. I, I hate doing it. I hate deferring to the favorite, but he's just such a comical standout on paper. And normally you get the Derby runner-up in here, and you can kind of make the case. So you had Exaggerator or Nyquist uh, a couple of years ago, and you thought, okay, different trip for Exaggerator. He's getting the wet track that he likes. I made the case that Derby or that Preakness for Exaggerator. I like Good Magic. He's a good horse. He ran a good Derby, but I just don't see where something changes that drastically for the Derby runner-up two weeks later. And he's a good horse, and and it, but at three to one. He feels like a horrendous bet as the second choice in this race to justify. That's going to be way too short. People are going to look for alternatives, and I, I just don't, I don't see what changes for him in two weeks. I just don't see it. I've already said to a number of people, I'll admit I was wrong about Good Magic going into the Derby. I didn't like him, and he ran a heck of a lot better than I thought he would. Now here we are two weeks later, and I can't help but think, the plan all along for Chad clearly was the first Saturday and may have that horse ready to peak. And guess what? He ran the best race of his career, 
The problem is he didn't get within sniffing distance to justify. Now, two weeks later, and immediately coming out of the derby, Chad was very wishy-washy about even running here. It's like it was an afterthought. To me, all signs are against a horse like Good Magic. He's the second-best horse in the race. There's really little question about that. But I think in an instance like this, if if you think Justify is a stone-cold lock and sometimes it doesn't make sense to try to go against the favorite, you and I, we're always going to try to beat the favorite, but sometimes it doesn't make any sense to do that. I think your instance, if you're trying to play this race, is to try to go against Justify in second or third because I think they're in a very unenviable position where, realistically, if you're going to try to beat Justify, you're probably the one that's going to need to take the run at him first, and maybe you end up paying the price for it. Uh, as for the other six horses, man, this is not a deep Preakness field, and whether it's because of uh, people now point to the Belmont, Matt, more than the Preakness, the Preakness has sort of been shuffled back as the third most important of these Triple Crown races now. We got Lone Sailor out of the Derby. He ran okay. He got some traffic early. Bravazo ran a lot better than I expected. I, I mean, this is not a good field outside of that. And so you just expect that, you know, something crazy is going to have to happen for anyone else to really be competitive in this group. As you look at the other six besides the Derby winner and the runner-up, who stands out to you as potential fill out your exact, fill out your, your, your trifecta and superfectas uh, at the back half of this field? You named both of them, Lone Sailor and Bravazzo. Uh, to me, Bravazzo, I thought he ran really well in the Kentucky Derby, uh, much better than I thought he would, considering he was wide every step of the way. He had a little bit of a bump early on, and he actually put in a bit of a mild bid in the middle of the race, rounding the far turn. He flattened out late. I think the reason I was as impressed with that race as I was, the Louisiana Derby was an unmitigated disaster for this horse. He basically was eased going by the half-mile pole. And to me, there's a scenario where you could just really envision it as the derby was his first race since the risen star and if he ran as well as he did there i think you're going to get a forward move here on saturday uh, wet track he ran just fine in louisville i don't think that's going to be any sort of an excuse to me he's the horse that i want in second and i i also want lone sailor i'm going to use both of those horses in second because i thought lone sailor ran just fine in louisville he had a little bit of trouble got stacked up going into the far turn but after that he came up the wood and finished very very well He's the kind of horse that I feel like is one of the more likely candidates to run second, third, or fourth because you know what their game is. They're going to take him back and make one run. Wet track's not a problem. But to me, again, if you're playing this race by itself, the goal is to try to beat good magic. It's not to beat Justify because he just looks like he's like he's very, very tough on paper. I want Bravazzo in second. I want Lone Sailor in third. One horse who might end up being the third choice in this field is Quip, and I'm going to be against Quip altogether, Matt. If I'm playing tries and supers, and King off Justify on top. I think he got away with slow paces uh, in his races. I know they pointed here. The ownership it has an ownership stake in Justify, so it's a weird setup there. I want no part of Quip, and he might be, what, 14, 15, and 1, third choice by the time we go off on Saturday afternoon. He might even be shorter than that. I think he's probably going to be the third choice in here, and, and I agree with you. No you know, we talked about it a little bit when we did the post-position draw video on DRF.com that I mean, you got to talk about the elephant in the room, that this horse is owned by Winstar. Justify is owned by Winstar. Quip's running style, in theory, is to be forwardly placed. You really think they're going to just beat each other's brains in and end up costing one horse the possibility of a triple crown? I think that's insane. I think Quip, unfortunately, with this draw, Florent Giroux is going to have to make a decision because if you don't go, you run the risk of everybody coming over on you and getting shuffled back and having all sorts of slop kicks in your face. And if you go, you're probably in a terrible position, too, because you're going to get your goose cooked by Justify. I think he's in a very, very difficult position here, and I also think it's a little bit odd. I know they said the horse needed some more time, and this was the goal all along. You qualified for the Derby, and you chose not to run. That, to me, is never a positive. Uh, the long shot I'm going to try to get involved here in the, the, the try in the Super is going to be Diamond King. And I was curious, if I like Diamond King, it's going to have to be maybe a slower pace than, uh, certainly a slow pace in the Derby. That's definitely going to happen. But he's going to have to be there in that f- front flight of horses and hang on uh, for second, maybe third. What did you make of Diamond King? I'm guessing you're going to tell me he's too slow on paper to uh, be a factor in this race. Yeah, he's, he's too slow to win, but that doesn't mean that he can't run second or third. You may mention this is not a particularly strong field in the Preakness. I, I just am concerned about the running style, where if he is going to be forwardly placed, how close is he going to be to a horse like Justify, and how much is it going to take out of him? But when you look at this horse through six lifetime starts, he hasn't done anything wrong. You draw a line through the jockey club, obviously, because he dumped the rider going into the first turn. But outside of that, 
How can you argue with a horse that's never been out of the money and he's been in the exact, he's won four of six lifetime starts. He's a nice horse. Uh, he's going to be a giant, giant price in here. And even considering he's the local hope, he might be the longest shot on the board or one of the longest shots on the board. 30 to 1 on the morning line, probably be higher, as Matt is saying. I will use him uh, in trifectas and, and other plays vertically with uh, Justify. So you and I are d- uh, defaulting to a monster on paper and Justify, which leads to the question many people listening are going to ask. You do this every day, Matt. You, you handicap these races. Um, how do you approach a race where you have a standout favorite? How will you structure tickets? What are the pools you want to be involved with, with to make justify? You're not betting justify to win at 2-5 to five or 1-5. to five. So how does Matt Bernier play this preakness? Well, I, the, the tough thing, if you're looking at it from a multi-race standpoint, it's the other issue that we're going to have, is that just it looks like it's going to be a deluge down there from sure. it's been raining all week, and it looks like it's just going to continue on. So the multi-race wagers, I, I wouldn't have a problem being singled as a lone A to a horse like Justify in the pick four or the pick five and hope that I can catch something earlier or just kind of really press my opinions and play for $5 or $3 or whatever else it may be. From this individual race standpoint, uh, I kind of alluded to it. I, I'm just trying to beat Good Magic. I feel like Good Magic is the horse. If you can defeat him, you can create a little bit of value because that's going to be the most overbet exact combination uh, in, in as long as I can remember. The uh, justified Good Magic exact is going to pay about 55 cents. So uh, if I can throw out Good Magic and I can get Provato in second or I can get Lone Sailor in there, all of a sudden the exacta becomes uh, a play that I'm mildly intrigued with. So that's probably my main play in there. I'll be using Justify over those two. And I'll probably dabble a little bit with the trifecta with that and then the superfecta if I can just have good magic and fourth with those two, second or third. Perhaps that uh, creates a little bit of value. All right, and you mentioned it, the elephant in the room. We're taping this on Thursday. Uh, the expectation is an absolute washout. Five inches of rain in the D.C. Baltimore area. And in cases like this, Matt, I just urge people to, to watch the races prior to the Preakness. If you're, if you're going to be betting these races on Saturday... I would keep an eye on the track because there are certain days where you get this much rain and biases can appear or trends can appear where speed is playing well, the inside's playing well. That's always pretty good at Pimlico anyway, or maybe the outside. I think it's a day where you got to you know, keep your head on a swivel and, and keep an eye out for these things. And if you're seeing things during the day, that might affect who you like or don't like come Preakness time. 100%. I mean, this is one of those instances where, and I suppose the good news is you're going to have basically a week's worth of or not a week's worth, but you have a couple of days worth of sure. racing to see how the track had been playing. And guess what? The condition's probably going to be pretty damn close to what it is on Saturday and what it is today and Friday. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what how much more rain we do end up getting. But I agree with you 100%. you got to pay attention to how the track is playing throughout the day because things can change very, very quickly, and we can't overstate it. It happened in the Derby, and it's not quite as long in Baltimore, but the time between races, is just astronomical. So, so much can happen, whether they go out, they float the track, they do X, Y, and Z. You name it, the track can change, and you just need to do your due diligence. And I have to be honest with you, too. Frankly, probably throttle back a little bit on how much you would normally wager because slots, random things happen. Anybody that had funny ducks winning oh. the past day miles, <laughs> God bless you. I don't know how you came up with that, but that's exactly the kind of result that I'm looking at saying, I, I, you could give me a million dollars, and I wouldn't have one single dollar on that horse to win. So, um, just do your due diligence and probably keep keep the governor on the old accelerator on that. And, and I would say, look, it's a pretty random, at times, sport anyway, and it becomes really roulette on horseback when you get this type of weather. And the track plays the way it did specifically. Matt mentioned the Pat Day Mile on Derby Day. I know I backed off my own bankroll on Derby Day. It'll probably be a similar setup for Preakness, especially given that I don't think they can beat Justify. I'll feel differently in three weeks. I believe in the Belmont there'll be some better opportunities to take shots at Justify in that race, but this one feels like Justify. Everyone else running for second and a triple crown on the line three weeks from Saturday in Elmont, New York. So we're both defaulting to Justify. Chalk eating weasels here uh, in the Preakness. Let's go through some other races, Matt, see if we can find some prices, people, over the weekend. I want to go back to Friday because you had the Black Eyed Susan Preakness double. This is going to be Friday afternoon at about 4.48. It's the counterpart to the Preakness. It's the three-year-old Phillies uh, going a mile and an eighth I thought a couple of horses that are are morning line short odds horses uh, like Coach Rocks and Midnight Disguise and Red Ruby all seem logical. Where'd you land in the Black Eyed Susan? People can use this as a double into uh, the Preakness on Saturday. 
And this is probably how another wager that I'll end up playing because I don't think there's a ton of quality in here. On the flip side of the Preakness where you've got Justify and you've got Good Magic, I don't think there are any superstars in here. Uh, I've always had a little thing for the number five, Marab, for Grand Motion. On paper, she is impossibly slow. She can't win this race. But like I made mention, I don't think any of these girls are particularly good. And how many times have we seen at a mile and an eighth, for some reason, this race turns into an absolute stagger fest? And it, it's a war of attrition. It's who can see out the distance a little bit better than anybody else. Marab's not going to have a problem with the distance. And really, I would encourage anyone to go back and watch that most recent race of hers, April 28th at Laurel. I understand she didn't beat anything in there, but she did it the right way. She was loaded behind horses, and finally when she got clear, she absolutely rolled home. And, and very infrequently do you see a horse put six-and-a-half length between herself and the rest of the field in the final eighth of a mile. She did just that. I love the way that she finished, and she's going to be an enormous price. Uh, the wet track, I don't think that's going to be an issue. I'll take a big chance in a race that, again, I, I don't love anyone. I think Good One Honey is very talented. I just This is going to be a lot in a short amount of time. I'll take a shot with the five Marab at 30-1. to one. Yeah, and the price is not great in the morning line. and I've, I've seen a lot of people picking this horse, too. I, I liked Red Ruby a little bit, but it seems like might be the steam horse as a huge workout note, uh, it sounds like, from that last six furlong workout at Keeneland. I'd probably be interested around 5-1 to one in the number 4 horse, Red Ruby, especially given she's 1-for-1 one one on a wet track. She owns an 83 buyer speed figure in the slop, uh, two races back at Oaklawn. But that 5-1 to one seems unlikely given the amount of steam there. So I'm with you. Might spray, spread a line a little bit there. Get to justify and set yourself up uh, in the Black Eyed Susan Preakness Double. And that's something that we made some money on a couple, weeks, a couple of years ago on this podcast, Matt. I mentioned in the open... Uh, before you came on, that this has been probably our best ROI podcast. And that's thanks to Matt Bernier, who a couple of years ago, uh, you and I loved Ironicus and the Dixie. That At that point, the Dixie was ran, run right before the Preakness. And the Ironicus American Pharaoh Double paid 34 bucks. So he had the standout in the Preakness. If you liked Ironicus, you made money that day. The Dixie is no longer the, the, the pre-race for the Preakness. They're running it much earlier in the day. Seventh race on Saturday, but you're sort of the Preakness Whisperer and the Dixie Whisperer, so we need a, a, a Dixie take on Saturday. I wonder if part of the reason they moved it up to the seventh race is because you've got two big names in there. You've got World Approval and you've got Divisadero. As far as they're concerned, Divisadero, I don't know if he can still run. He's been gone for forever and a day, but you know when he's right, he can certainly come with a kick. I just don't want to find out at a short price on Saturday that he can or can't still run. And World Approval is a horse on paper. He's supposed to win this race. But things have not gone according to plan for this horse throughout this entire 2018 campaign thus far. Keep in mind, they were going to run in Dubai. They chose not to do that after the race at Tampa. Instead, they go to California with eyes on just getting a stopgap to a race like the Turf Mile down at Keeneland. And then they audibled from that to go to a race like the Turf Classic at Churchill. Well, guess what? The Kill Row was a terrible performance. I have no idea what happened because this horse was rock solid and usually just showed up with a good effort. He was terrible in California, and he's run well at Santa Anita in the past or Southern California in general. To me, I, I just you can have him on Saturday. If he wins, I'll lose. I've never liked Fire Away, but I kind of feel like he might be the now horse. It's an old cliche you hear everybody talk about. Suge with the horses, as they get older, they get better and better. I think that's kind of what this horse is right now. He continues to improve. It's hard to ignore that he's 4-for-4 four four at Aqueduct and he's only won six times total in his career. But I I thought that run at Tampa was fine enough considering that turf course was speed-friendly throughout the entire meeting. And I thought he'd be a decent field up at Aqueduct most recently on the 8th of April. I think second off the bench, he's got the highest last-out buyer in the field with a 102. And you know what? He's fine on off-going as far as the turf is concerned. I'd expect there to be some give. I just don't want world approval, and I don't trust the Visadero. Give me the informed horse. I'll take fire away. Uh, we used this stat, actually formulator stat, for Derby Day on leave in one of those turf races at Churchill. Suge McGahee, second off the layoff, stakes races on the grass. He's somewhere near 30%. This is a move for Suge. Uh, out of that race at Aqueduct, sets him up for this beautifully. I'm completely with you. I would take 6-1 to one right now on fire away, the number one horse in the Dixie. So hopefully you and I... Are on the right horse there. It's Shug again. It's fire away. Maybe a price thing gets you into some other races later on in the day. 
One of the ways you can maybe make money if you like Justify is playing the pick five on Saturday. That's races uh, 9 through 13. Let's get a take on the ninth race here. It's the Gallaret, another turf race, mile and a 16th. Uh, I had a tough time with this race, Matt. Nothing really stood out to me to kick off the pick five. It's another race where Cambodia, if she runs the way she's capable of running, she's probably supposed to win. I just don't know what version of Cambodia we're going to get. I thought she was very poor in the matriarch, and then the Jenny Wiley was basically a non-effort for her. And I know she's facing much better horses there, so maybe the class alone is going to get her over the top. Uh, Elise's World, I've never been a fan of. I understand she makes sense in a race like this, but I've just never really been blown away by her. Then all of a sudden you're left with, you got to take a shot somewhere. I know that the North American debut for Blessed Silence wasn't particularly strong. The 84 buyer, and you combine that with just overall slow figures, and she didn't probably run against a great field. Uh, I love the fact that she's run as well as she has on soft or yielding going over yep. in Europe prior to getting over here. Christophe Clement, it clearly, it feels like this was a plan. Runner in that allowance race, second off the bench, have her shipped down here, run in a spot like this. If you catch softer going, that's clearly not going to be an issue. I like that a rad stays aboard. Uh, for what it's worth, and flexibility came back and earned a 92 in her next start. So if you think that blessed silence can move up into the low 90s, maybe she's not the most likely winner, but she's at least in there with the puncher's chance. And I think there should be plenty of pace in here, so... Uh, we'll give the six blessed silence a little bit of a look. And then the 12th race, which is the appetizer for the 13th, which is the Preakness. Interesting move here by uh, the folks at Pimlico. The race prior to the three-year-olds going a mile on it in 316ths is a three-year-old race, the Sir Barton, which is always like the junior varsity version of the Preakness. So you get a three-year-old route race before the Preakness, then you get the Preakness itself. And it might be as simple as it's a Bob Baffert exacta because he has Axeman, who I know you've talked about before, he looks like a complete standout in this race. If he shows up and he can run the mud, I think they're all running for second behind Axeman, and it might be just Baffert dominating those two races to end that pick five. Very talented horse, Axeman. It's hard to argue with what he's done, draw a line through that San Vicente where they just went unbelievably fast early and he got cooked. Otherwise, you're left with a 97 and a 101. If he runs the 101, he's probably just simply going to win. I, I'm a little bit concerned about the wet track. We don't know how he'll handle that. And also... I think there's a lot of speed in this race. So unless he's out there winging it on the front end and he's just better than everyone else and can put them away, that's one thing. Or is he going to have to show a new dimension that he hasn't shown yet? And that's coming from a few lengths off of it. A horse that, another one, I feel like I sound like a broken record. I've never really loved, but I like the way that he ran most recently. in the Lexington was pony up for Todd and Johnny V. He's going to come from off the pace. I think there's going to be plenty of speed to set things up. We saw what my boy Jack did in the Derby. Ran well enough, a 93 buyer. I don't know. I mean, I think Pony Up is a decent horse. I don't think he's a superstar, and, and talent-wise, he's certainly not as talented as Axe, man. But this may be an instance where maybe the circumstances set up for a horse coming from off of it and just all the stars align. Down the road, if I'm taking a future, give me Axe, man, every day. But maybe this is the instance where Pony Up and Todd, you can get a little bit of value as second or third choice. Well, we are uh, unfortunately... Pushing that Justify bandwagon. We both like him in the Preakness based on the uh, the field here, based on the way he ran in the Derby. Uh, Matt liking Bravazo underneath, Lone Sailor as well. We'll see if we can get good magic out of the top two. He'll be all over the racing form on uh, Saturday. You'll see his analysis, DRF.com, and, of course, Formulator PP is the best way to get set, Matt. Uh, have fun this weekend, and it's, it does feel like we are now going to be three weeks away from talking about another Triple Crown opportunity for Bob Baffert. And let's hope that Belmont lives up to its billing of beautiful Belmont Park oh. because this rain, this rain is miserable. We're due for some nice weather at some point, right? I mean, here in New England, the, the, your, your Red Sox are, are playing well. They got back to their winning ways. We need some nice weather for the, the final leg of the Triple Crown. I don't know what the racing gods did to Mother Nature, but she's pissed. <sighs> Hopefully my bankroll is not pissed this weekend. Matt, good luck. <laughs> we will, uh, we'll talk to you before the Belmont. Thanks. It is Preakness 143, and one of the best ways to get yourself ready for the Preakness is to go to ExpressBet.com and check out their free Preakness wagering guide. Award-winning writer Dick Girardi is with us, courtesy of that great ExpressBet.com wagering guide. You can go there right now. It's the Preakness wagering guide. It is free. You don't have to live in a certain state. You don't have to sign up. It's right there on the front page. You'll see it, wagering guide. And it's got some great information, including our buddy uh, Bob Newmeyer. Picking against Justify this weekend in the Preakness, which is Numi's way of doing it. He can never pick the chalk, even when it's a standout horse like Justify. Dick Girardi was on Justify in the Derby. Pretty good strike rate, Dick. Another Derby winner here on the podcast. 
Yeah, I appreciate that, uh, Michael. It has been a good run lately. Some of them obviously have been favorites, but you know what? Sometimes when you're on a favorite, it's justified, and you can find a way to get a little piece of that exact, uh, maybe a little future book bet. It's a good play. Yeah, in this case, the uh, the pretty formful, the way the Derby ended up running between Justify, Good Magic, and uh, Audible running for third. Matt Bernie and I were just talking about it. This is not, I, I'm looking back at the Derby and watching the replays, I just can't find anything negative to say about Justify. Going in, I wondered about the seasoning. Obviously, the two-year-old campaign was non-existent, but he ran fast early, he ran fast in the middle, and he kicked away. This was a, as good a derby performance we've seen in a long time. Yeah, I'm with you. I think Bob Baffert said it, and he agrees with us, Mike. He's won the derby now. This is the fifth time. And he said this was his best derby winner of the whole group. And obviously there's been some great names in there, including a Triple Crown winner. So that tells you a lot. And, yeah, the fact that he went so fast early and was able not only to withstand it, but nobody was gaining any ground on him in the last 200 yards. He was running straight and true, and he kept going. This is just a brilliant horse to be able to do that in the first 76 days of his career and culminated with the Derby is just astonishing. Well, and I don't know where he ranks all-time. You've spent a lot more time in this business, and, and you can speak to it better than I can. But am I crazy when I say that Bob Baffert you know, is somewhere in the mix of the best dirt trainers in the history of the sport, you think about American Pharaoh and Arrogate, and now this horse, who looks like he's on his way to at least a triple crown attempt, what he's done with horses on, on dirt seems almost unmatched, at least in recent times, Dick. Yeah, I mean, the, the only comparison really would be Wayne Lucas in his heyday, uh, but because he wasn't really a turf trainer either, like, like Bob Baffert isn't. But Bob is going to go one beyond Wayne. It's hard to believe all those great horses Wayne had, he never had a shot at the Triple Crown other than Charismatic, unless I'm, unless I'm missing something. All those really good horses he had, and this will be Bob, if this horse wins uh, on Saturday, it's going to be his fifth shot at it. And it's not like he just wins this race. He wins the Breeders' Cup Classic. He wins big two-year-old races. Yeah, I think you could make that case. And, and he's not, he's not, he just doesn't like turf with one of them in his barn, but he's at, he's out for one thing. He's out to win the big dirt races, and I'm with you. You could make a pretty strong case. He's as good as anybody, and as he keeps adding to his record, you may be able to make the case he is the best ever. And you start to look for things, right? For, at least for me, like I, I don't want to bet the favorite in a race like this. It, I, I'm loath to, to pick a, a one to two shot, a, a one to five shot. But you look at the, the form, which you know, if you look at the races, you're buying the form, you're looking at it, it's, it, obviously it stands out on paper how good he is. So you start to look for other things. Like you look at the trainer. Okay, does the trainer have issues, a two-week turnaround? You know, Todd Pletcher has a program, right, Dick? His program is his program, yep. and two weeks is not a good move for him. Baffert right. has four derby winners. He's 4-0 and when they come back in the Preakness. So when you try to look at the, the trainer in this case and poke a hole in it, you can't do it because Baffert, this is a move that has worked really well for him. Yeah, he trains his horses, and, and generally West Coast trainers train horses differently than certainly Todd Fletcher and Chad Brown do, who've obviously had amazing success on the East Coast. They train them harder out there, uh, uh, and they are fitter, uh, and they can come back faster. Now, maybe in some cases they might not last as long, although Bob's uh, good three-year-olds have generally lasted for as long as they needed to last. Um but, yeah, it, it is different. It is a different method. Um, Todd has had zero success in the Preakness with his two derby winners. They both ran terribly. He's 0 for 2 and neither hit the board or, or ran any good at all and never won again. And Bob's four derby winners, as you said, not only won the Preakness, but in every case have been extremely impressive in winning it. So, yeah, no reason to think this horse isn't going to do it. Uh, so, uh, on paper, he's an absolute standout. You do a lot of work with the folks at Buyer Speed Figures. I mean, by any speed figure you look at, including the buyer, he's a standout in this race. So I'll ask you what I asked Matt Bernier. Barring an injury, uh, barring some sort of big uh, you know, uh, stumble out of the gate, Paint me a scenario where Justify loses on Saturday. Yeah, I can't come up with one. Um, he's got four buyer figures better than any figure yeah. any horse in the race has ever done. All of his figures are better than any horse. The only other horse that even has a triple digit is Good Magic as a two-year-old when he had 100. So he's a total standout. I thought the post-draw really was perfect for him. I don't think Bravazo is going to show much speed. I mean, yeah, Wayne... 
Derby Wayne when he was younger might send him on out there to irritate Justify, but I think he's got too much respect for the Derby winner and, and Bob Baffert. So he's going to be, Mike Smith's going to be just outside. Uh, potentially he could be loose on the lead if nobody goes. He's certainly fast enough to get there. And at worst, he's got the same trip he had the Derby in slower fractions. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't see a scenario other than the ones you laid out that gets him beat because he's going to get the trip. Uh, he's obviously the fastest horse in the race. No reason to think anything has happened. I know the footage was there, but you watch him out on the track, he certainly looks like the same horse he was before the Derby. And how about this? He didn't lose any weight at all, and he weighs 100 pounds more than American Ferro. That's how big this horse is. And to be that big and that nimble and that fast, it's a rare combination. Yeah, I don't see him getting beat in this race. Yeah, and the pace was wicked in the Derby. The pace is not going to be that fast in this race. And I suspect that if Mike Smith really wants to, he'll be, he could just send the horse to the front, right? That's kind of a Baffert-Mike Smith move. We're the best horse. Let's put him out front and make them all chase us for a mile and three sixteenths. I think you could make the case. Now, it's obviously a better field than he faced in the Santanita Derby, other than the Boltoro. Um, it was it's similar to that. There aren't a lot of confirmed front runners here. Look, Quip has some speed, but Quip is owned by Windstar. They're not going. They're not going to go run with Justify. So, I, for people who don't know, uh, Windstar also owns a, a big piece of Justify. So, I I think there's a better than good chance that he is going to be loose in the lead, set his own fractions, and then. The people that are going to have to make the decisions are, are Chad Brown and Jose Ortiz. What are they going to do? I think they made the decision in the Derby. We're going to stay closer than normal because we think this is the horse we have to beat. And they did, and they ran great, and they couldn't catch him. So what do they do now with good magic? Do they try to send him out after Justify earlier? Boy, I think that's a that's a mission that might might end badly. Uh, so that. They're really the ones that have to make that early decision in the race about how they're going to run the horse. Well, it's funny. You go back and look at these Triple Crown races, and you have like horse like commanding curve and these big prices that get in, and you find out afterwards that the trainer and the jockey weren't trying to win the race. They're running for second yep. or running for third or trying to hit the board. The, the horse that I, I focus in on at a price is Diamond King, Dick, and you wrote about Diamond King mm-hmm. because John Service... Uh, there in Pennsylvania, you covered him with uh, the Smarty Jones run, and obviously the, uh, the Fleet Alex in that group. I mean, there's been some good mid-Atlantic horses that you have been uh, covering along the Triple Crown Trail. Are they trying to win this race? Does the Cassius King people, do they know they're trying to hit the board here? What's the plan with Diamond King, and do I have a shot at 30-35-1 to, to, to get involved in the trifecta here? Yeah, I, I haven't talked strategy yet with John. I will, because uh, I'm with you. I want to at least take a look at him as potentially trying to beat Good Magic, because that's really the only way you're going to make any money. That uh, <laughs> To justify Good Magic, he's actually paid almost Oof. 70 in Kentucky. He's probably going to pay 6 in Baltimore, so there's not going to be a whole lot of uh, value in that. Um, I, here's what I think. I, I think that John Service uh, would be thrilled if he the horse finished third. Um Chuck Zachney, who owns Cassius King, one of the owners, he owned a fleet Alex. He's a competitor. He wants to win. But, look, he's also realistic. He's about 10 lengths slower than Justify if they both run to their best race. Uh, so I, I don't think it's likely. The key is how they're going to ride him. Uh, they got Javier. Um, Javier's not necessarily a sending rider. This horse does have some speed. I mean, he's been in front in sprints. He's gone 21-4. and four. But you don't, I don't think you want to do that. Because if you're out there battling with Justify, I'm not sure you're going to live to tell the tale. So I think the strategy is the key for Diamond King's chances of getting second or third or getting into the exact superfector of the trot. Uh, you mentioned some of the, the other run, the runners here. Quip uh, skipped the derby and pointed to here. Uh, Lone Sailor obviously is going to get a lot of pull based on his struggles early in the derby. Tom Amos saying he wants to be a closer here. That's always good trying to clunk up. The rest of this field, who stands out? When you get Pied Justify and Good Magic Dick, who are the horses that you want to use underneath uh, to try to spice up exactas and trifectas? Yeah, I I haven't changed a lot for my express bet wagering guide. Um, in there, I have Good Magic fourth. Do I think he's the fourth best horse? No, he's he's obviously the second best horse. He proved that in Kentucky. He's proved it all along. But I think it's it's trainer intention. I don't think Chad Brown's looking to run second. I think he wants to win. Yep. And if they're going to take an early run at Justify, I think they're going to get beaten, and Chad doesn't come back in two weeks. I'm going to try to beat Good Magic. I like Bravazzo and Tenfold. I thought Bravazzo's race in the Derby was sneaky good. Uh, I, I thought he made a nice run. Not that many horses were coming from behind. I thought he ran pretty well. 
got a little tired late, no, no problem. But if, if he can come back to that, like, low 90 buyer, because I think it's going to be – I think Justify is going to not only win, but potentially win by a lot. Uh, that's the kind of thing that could sneak in for second. And tenfold to me, son of Curlin, who won this race in 07, uh, each of his races is a little better, and I don't think they were thrilled with the ride last time. So they went back to Santana, who won with him in his first two races. So I, that's a horse who's also interesting to me at 20. But I, I'm going to look at that exact board and just try to get the sense of you know, what's the best one. I'm going to probably try to be Quip um, and, and Good Magic, because I think Quip is going to be the third choice in the exact. Me that's too. the way I have it me, me, too, me too. Bernie and I talked about it. I want no part of Quip. I, I think that he's taking advantage of slow paces. And you mentioned the tenfold thing, I can't figure out because he was on a really slow pace that day in the Arkansas yep. Derby and just had nothing in the lane. You thought, given the way that pace set up, he was close enough to it. He should have had some run. But Magna Moon and Quip just ran around there. If Santana gets back to those rides previously, he can probably make some noise at somewhere around 20 to 1. So that's an interesting one. I think we've hit most of the, the horses in that field. And uh, it feels like the consensus here on this podcast is going to be uh, he's just too good. Uh, it's going to be Justify's day. And so now we're trying to figure out other races here this week and make some money on, Dick. I want to hit a couple spots with you before we get you out. I'll, I'll turn the, the page back to, to Friday. The Black Eyed Susan sets up the Black Eyed Susan and Preakness double. Any thoughts there in the Philly counterpart to the Preakness on Friday night? Yeah, I, I like Sarah Street to nine, the Godolphin horse for uh, Kira McLaughlin. I, I thought that Giselle was a really good race. We gave it a big number, of 91. Now, my Miss Lily did not run at all in the Kentucky Oaks. She was very disappointing. So that there's a potential that we just, that there's that race isn't what we thought it was. But I'm going to give it one more look. Uh, I think she gets the right trip. She's got a little outside speed. Um, the horse to beat to me that looks looks like this this uh, this good one, Honey, the seven, the local horse who's just won two of her races. And I mean, just crushed them. Uh, but did start for Maiden 40, so you wonder what the connections thought that they ever imagined they were going to be in the uh, the black-eyed Susan. And the, and the Linda Rice Philly Midnight Disguise, she ran terribly in the Gazelle. I mean, that was way off her normal form. So maybe you put a line through that. She's getting blinkers and Irad Ortiz, so maybe you give her another shot. I, I, Coach Rocks, I, she just didn't fire in, in, in Kentucky. I, I love the race at the Gulfstream Park Oaks, but she's never never put up a big number. So I'm going to try to beat my man, Coach Patino, and uh, and Coach Rock. Yeah, I like Sarah Street tonight. Yeah, it has a definite shot from the outside uh, post positions uh, there in the Black Eyed. Susan, let's hit a couple races Saturday. If people are going to you know, be like us here and think that Justify can't lose, you might want to play pick threes, pick fours, the pick five into Justify in the Preakness. So I will hit the 10th race, the Maryland Sprint. You know, there are sometimes you look at a, a race the first time through and a horse stands out. For me, Dick, uh, Long Haul Bay on the outside for Chad Brown stood out like a sore thumb. He ran against the track in the Bay Shore, was there that day last year at Aqueduct, where everything was speed, speed, speed. He came from off the pace with a punishing run. Something went wrong in the Woody Stevens, but he came back in April, ran a 98 buyer, did it by beating Mighty Zealous, who came out to win next time out. And I, I think I found another single for me in this late pick forward, Long Haul Bay. Where did you end up in the Maryland Sprint, which goes as the 10th race on Saturday? Yeah, I'm right with you for a lot of the same reasons, Mike. Uh, I mean, you go back to the horse's first race. Uh, the horse is one to two. So obviously the word was out. Got a 90 buyer uh, February of 17. And then, as you said, had some problems in the Woody Stevens. But uh, clearly, Chad Brown thought a lot of this horse. Now, it was all from June to April. Issue that race. And what I like even more about Long Haul Bay, this is the perfect setup. I mean, the, the three, the four, the five, the seven. They're all early speed, uh, depending on, of course, how the track is playing. We'll have to watch it. I don't know if it's going to be dry, but hopefully not super wet. Uh, but, yeah, if it isn't like a, an inside bias or something like that, I'm with you. I, I just think long haul bite just looks tremendous in this race, uh, given the trainer, the setup, and everything else. Uh, we're going to make you go through the 11th here. These turf sprints are tough enough. Now it's turf sprints on a potentially – uh, potentially wet turf uh, in the 11th race, yep. part of that late pick four. What'd you do in the very one going five furlongs on the turf there at Pimlico? Yeah, this isn't something I'm thrilled with because I usually don't like to do this because the one figure horses, but girls knows, knows best. Girls know best uh, gives that a 101 buyer at Keeneland. 
on a yielding track, uh, yielding turf course. That's certainly what we're going to get, some kind of from good to yielding or a bog. Who knows what we're dealing with on the grass down there. So I don't know if that race was for real, but the fact that it was on a similar kind of course, because she'd been running on that highway at Gulfstream, it's such a different scene when you get on these um, mid-Atlantic or Midwestern kind of uh, turf courses. So I, I, I'm going to give girls no best another shot. I love Javier Castellano and these turf sprints. Uh, that's where I'm going. But do I feel confident? Absolutely not. This race is very hard. It's wide open. I think a lot of people might just hit the all button. They can single Axman potentially in the 12th. They could single Long Haul Bay. It looks like a tough race. I ended up on service on the outside. Dick makes a lot of good points about girls no best. Uh, I thought Jason Service just talking. He's so good at turf sprints, almost 40%. Yep. Uh, he's tremendous, and he gets Irad Ortiz. So a very tough race, and we're on two of the uh, the lower price shots. So we didn't give you much there. Hopefully, you have a better opinion uh, than we did. As for a couple racing issues, Dick, and we'll get you out. I want to start with the news uh, of legalized sports betting here. The uh, Supreme Court came through seven two, uh, and so now it's state to state. Uh, we know Monmouth Park in New Jersey; they're ready to go in the next couple of weeks and start taking bets. Uh, how is this going to affect at all? Uh, the industry of horse racing, because I, I would think there is probably some partnerships to be had between racing and gaming. If they can figure it out, can the game figure it out? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the question. There's so many unknowns here. We don't know what the structure is going to be. I mean, I'm sure the leagues, the big four leagues and the NCAA at this point would like the federal government to be in charge of it. So there'll be one set of rules. But yeah, I, I don't. I don't think we know. I think in New Jersey it's going to be great uh, because the law is structured in such a way to help horse racing. I think it's going to revive a, a great, beautiful track like Monmouth Park. So I'm definitely in favor of that. In my state, in Pennsylvania, the law that's been passed is very different, and I'm not sure a lot of people are going to want to jump in. It's a 36 percent tax and a 10 million dollar buy-in. So yeah, exactly. So it's just a, a different. It's, so that, that's the. Do I think it's going to be extremely popular? Of course it is. Everybody bets on sports. And do I also think there's a potential carryover between horses and sports betting? I do. Much different than casino. I think that's a different kind of gambler. So if they can get people in the racetrack betting betting games, maybe they, a lot of them are going to hang around and bet the track too. But, yeah, I think this is a complete unknown how it's going to affect horse racing. I know there's a lot of people that are scared. There's a lot of people that are excited. But it's all going to come down to what's the structure in your particular area and, and how does it how is it going to affect horse racing in that area. Uh, and as far as this weekend goes, uh, I spent my bachelor party weekend at the Preakness when Shackelford won. Uh, years ago. I've always wanted to go back. So I know that Pimlico, they're committed to running at least this year and next year. Is it a safe bet, Dick, that if I want to go back to a Preakness at Pimlico, I have to do it next year because this thing's going to Laurel Park in 2020? Yeah, I mean, it, look, the people that run the Maryland Jockey Club, the Stronach Group, it's obvious they want to move it to Laurel Park. That's as clear as, I mean, they've made, they've made it obvious. They're not putting any money into Pimlico. But they're in a political situation there where the city of Baltimore, which is obviously the biggest city in the state of Maryland, has a lot of, a lot of political juice. And the Freakness is a huge uh, money generator, not just for the Stronach Group, but for the people in Baltimore, for the restaurants, hotels. Now, it's not like Laurel Park is that far away, but it's not Baltimore. It's actually closer to D.C. Uh, so that, that's what's going to have to get ironed out. It's not, they're not, what they're not going to do... Is is build a super traffic? That's just insane. I mean, you just they're just not you know it's days a year. You're just not going to do that. So it's kind of one of those dilemmas with no good answer. I, I wish I could tell you that, that it'll be out of there. Uh, one of the other logistical issues is it, Laurel has Laurel has a bunch of lakes in their infield. Uh, they're going to have to do something about that. And and really, it's a Pimlico event. It just it works in the city. It, people can get there. They can get there by public transportation. There's all kinds of different ways to get there. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to deal with it, uh, but it, it's it's going to be fascinating to watch. For me, I'd love to see it stay at Pimlico forever. But I understand where the Stronic people are coming from. I get it because uh, look, Pimlico is a structure whose time has passed. There's no doubt about that. 
Justify going to be a heavy favorite. This podcast is all in uh, as much of the country will be rooting for him to get it done and set up another Triple Crown attempt in a couple weeks at Belmont. If you are playing the races this weekend, if you're not playing the races, you want to get informed, Express Bet Wagering Guide, expressbet.com. Click on the link right there and boom, you got all the picks. You got Dixon Alice at the race. You got Bob Newmyers. You have great statistical breakdown. Uh, of the Preakness, and uh, we shall see. It does feel like in three weeks, Dick, we're talking about triple crown attempt, but it is horse racing. Have fun. Bring an umbrella to uh, Baltimore this weekend, and we'll talk to you in a few weeks for Belmont 1. Uh, Belmont, it was three weeks from Saturday. We'll be in Elmont, New York, correct? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. June the 9th, man. Sounds, sounds good, Mike. I look forward to it. It's always great talking to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You listen to a horse racing podcast. You want people to give you big, long shots and big upsets and Three guys here on the Across the Board podcast all think Justify can't be beat. Well, that's all we always say. You know, Don't just go with our, our picks. We are not touts. We help you handicap these races. So as you're going through, uh, hopefully gave you some ideas on the Preakness. Pretty dominant uh, uh, selection here of Justify Across the Board. Uh, myself, Matt Bernier, and Dick Girardi all think that he's just too good for this field and is going to win I'll say easily, but a win convincingly uh, in Preakness 143 and set up a triple crown attempt three weeks from Saturday in Elmont, New York, where if Audible runs back, Audible's got a big shot in that race. But that's that's for three weeks from now. Uh, as for the Preakness itself, uh, I think the guys gave you some good thoughts. You heard Matt Bernier suggest he's going to try to beat Good Magic uh, for second and third. He's going to use the uh, Derby Refugees uh, Lone Sailor involved in that mix along with Bravazzo. Uh, Dick Girardi, King, Justify on top. Uh, Tenfold being a horse he wants to use underneath at a big price, plus all the other selections we gave you for other races on the day, and hopefully we can put you in a good spot. As for me, uh, I'm going to try to use Justify on top. Obviously, I'm going to be single to him in late pick threes and pick fours. Uh, The two other opinions uh, I want to point to, uh, one in the Preakness and one in the Maryland Sprint. Uh, in the Preakness, I'm going to use 30 to 1 morning line shot Diamond King as a horse to get in the number. Even if Justify wins, hell, even if Good Magic runs second and it's Derby uh, recap 1 2 and they come back and run the same race, Diamond King for third will pay in the trifecta. And the things that Diamond King has going for him be the number four horse in your program. He's 30 to 1 morning line. Uh, he is a horse that is four for six lifetime. His only losses have come. In the Kentucky Cup Juvenile last year as a two-year-old, they thought so highly of him, they shipped him from Parks to Churchill. Uh, He clipped heels early, the rider fell off, and that was it. So draw a line through that race. The only other race he's lost in his career, the other five races, he ran third in the swale to strike power, who's a rocket ship and got to go who's really, really fast. So that was not a, a, a disgrace for him. And he came back in the Frederico Tessio. He missed some time. Uh, with some training issues, but came back and ran a big race to win at Laurel, the prep race for this uh, Preakness back on April 21st. He's trained well since then, a couple of uh, uh, training sessions on a wet track, which he's going to get on Saturday. Uh, John Service does a very good job, in fact, 25% uh, when he won last start for his horses, 22% dirt races. He gets Javier Castellano, who won the Preakness a year ago. He's had some other runner-up finishes on Preakness horses that should not have been in the mix. He knows how to ride at Pimlico. I think they're going to try to just get this horse into the money. And so at 30-1, to 1, people are going to ignore this horse because of the buyer's speed figures, not fast enough. It's service, blah, blah. He, he has a shot. And at 30-1, to 1, it's a gamble we want to take. I think Justify is going to be a dominant winner, convincing winner on Saturday. Uh, good magic, obviously pretty good. I'm going to use Diamond King as a big price, and the other horse I will use, on uh, the bottom parts and of, of trifectas and try to get into the, the exact a little bit, will be Lone Sailor, uh, who did not get to run his race at Churchill Downs, bumped out of the gate, uh, never got to make his one run. He loves a sloppy track. He won, he broke his maiden, in fact, over a sloppy track at Saratoga last September. Uh, and I think he is one that maybe it'll, uh, not going to be anywhere near the price Diamond King is. Uh, I want to use. So my, my top four in, in some order would be Justify, Diamond King, Good Magic, Lone Sailor. That's my top four. And if those four run in the triple or those four run in the superfecta, we're going to have a big day. The one other race that I'm going to key in on is the Maryland Sprint. We talked about this one with Dick Girardi a couple of minutes ago. Uh, comes up as the 10th race uh, on Saturday. It starts the pick four, and I'm going to be single to Long Haul Bay, who's the outside horse in this field for Chad Brown. And I'm going to single him early. Uh, I'm going to push that 
hard uh, with Justify uh, at the back end of the pick four. And it's a $2 million guaranteed pool, which means even if it comes back pretty chalky, it should pay okay. That'll be my big play uh, over the weekend. Long haul bay to single to start the pick four. Justify single there at the end. Get a couple prices in the 11th and 12th races uh, and knock out the pick four come Preakness Day. Uh, We hope it's not as wet as they're suggesting, but it looks wet and it looks like on paper you can't be justified, but that's why they call it racing. Uh, Either way, win, lose, draw, whatever for justified. We're back in three weeks to get you set for the Belmont Stakes, where I think we'll be talking about a triple crown and a much more vulnerable horse in justified than what we have this weekend at the Preakness. Uh, Good luck this weekend. Bring an umbrella if you're going to be in Baltimore, and we'll talk to you in three weeks on Across the Board, leading into the Belmont Stakes. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t